Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. Sex. Throughout the Bible, it's proclaimed as a good thing. A profound expression of love that forges a unique and powerful bond between a man and a woman. But along the way, something went seriously wrong. When humanity left their perfect and life-giving relationship with God, sin entered the scene and infected everything. Sin caused people to become disconnected from God, from each other, and from themselves. Sex, the ultimate connection between men and women, couldn't hide for long. Sin grabbed hold of sex and transformed it into something completely unrecognizable. This new form of sex had nothing to do with respect or commitment, and everything to do with lust and control. It was no longer about two people becoming one. Sex became about the desires of the individual, a way for people to get what they want from one another. To put it plainly, sex became a transaction. And so, sex strayed further and further away from God's original plan. Fast forward to today, and sex is everywhere. People are obsessed with it. Sex, which used to be a good thing, became an ultimate thing. Something that validates one's very existence and a reason for living. And with its new and elevated status came many promises. Promises it couldn't deliver, leaving an entire society feeling empty and disillusioned. But like any addiction, the answer is always more. More relationships, more romance, and of course, more sex. And it's in this endless search that we find ourselves. Sex is clearly broken, but it isn't the real problem. It's simply the crack on the surface. The real problem of sin goes much deeper, and its consequences are far more devastating. Here's the good news, though. There's still hope. God can redeem you and your sexuality. Sex can be a good thing again. So, uh, guess, guess what we're talking about today. So since I know it's awkward for everybody and everyone's like, I'm the only one in the room, I'm just going to focus because we all want to look and see what everybody else thinks, go ahead and look to the person next to you and say, today we're talking about sex. <laughs> Half the people are still like this. Uh. <laughs> today he's talking about sex. <laughs> and I'm not listening. I am, but don't look at me. <clears throat> so we've been talking about this topic um, and we're continuing our series in this uh, bringing sexy back. And many people said, well, it hasn't gone anywhere. In fact, bringing sexy back has brought it like big time. And uh, so what we're doing is we've been focusing on bringing sexy back the way God intended it to be and uh, taking a look at that, how that uh, biblically. Um, and uh, a lot of people may be thinking, okay, this is a little weird. Like, I didn't really know this was a church conversation. And uh, it's cool for Cosmopolitan to talk about it and, you know, Maximum and Health Fitness and all of those things. But, uh, like, church, I didn't even really know God was interested. Like, you know, he's all like the thousand and that's and love isn't necessarily making love. So um, the thing is, is that... Uh, He's totally interested in it. In fact, there is entire books of the Bible about the subject. I know many guys are like, time out. We need to get in a Bible study. <laughs> Where's the sign up for that? <laughs> um, <clears throat> not only are there entire books of the Bible dedicated to this subject, um, but there's actually passages in the Bible which command us to have sex. Guys, again, give me your Bible, wife. <laughs> open this up. It's in 1 Corinthians. Go ahead and open it up to me. With me, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, I'm going to start in 2, says this. Get your listening caps on. Some of you don't want them on right now. 
But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent for some time, so that you may may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. It's good stuff right there. Some of you guys on the way home being like, it's in the Bible. (laughs) And the women are going to be like, shut up, I'm praying. (laughs) Right? So what we're going to continue to see over the next few weeks uh, that we've already uh, tackled into is that when you and I leave God out of the conversation, out of this subject, that we, we mess it up, that we, we start screwing things up real bad. And everything that we had hoped would ever happen, everything that we had ever dreamt of happening, what was supposed to happen is supposed to happen, um, won't. And it doesn't if you don't include God. It's just Sex. How many of you guys have heard that? Seriously, if you watch TV, if you like read the billboards, that's like what it is today. It's just sex. It's just sex, right? It's not that big of a deal. What's being proposed at that moment when we say it's just sex is that it's really possible for two people just to get together and just be physical. It's just sex. What's the big deal? Ever, um, you guys know what dogs do? <clears throat> I'm not going to go into details. Um, so, you know, dogs, they go away, they run away. You're like, no, they ran away. And then they come back and then there's puppies or that's why we get them spayed and neutered all the time. Bob Barker was a big fan of that. I know I watch Prices Right all the time. Um, yeah, so you get at that moment that we're saying that it's possible for two people to get together like dogs do and just be physical. If you understand, if anyone is ever saying that to you and they're, and they're telling you like, eh, it's just sex, understand this, that in that moment they say that they're inviting you to the dog bed. That's where you're going. They're inviting you to come and say, come on. It's just, it's just sex. It's just the dog bed. It's not that big of a deal. It's just about two people getting gratified. It's friends with benefits. It's the boyfriend pressuring the girlfriend saying, it's not that big of a deal. It's just sex. If you love me, then you'll let me. It's not like it's going to change anything. It's just sex. It's the husband who begins to flirt or has flirted with the secretary of the office and be like, it's, it's not like I'm really betraying or, or not like I'm breaking anything. It's, it's just sex. Or it's just window shopping. It's the couples who decide to get together and swap because they think they want to spice things up. And they say, it's not like it's like interfering with our marriage. It's just physical. It's just sex. Understand this, that every time someone says that to us, every time that the culture tells us that, every time the media shouts it at us, every time we say that to ourselves, it's an invitation to the dog bed. It's saying that it's completely possible for two people to get together and have completely physical only relationship. I have a question for you. What if it's not? What if it's impossible? What if it's humanly impossible for a man and a woman to get together sexually 
and to be like dogs? What if the very way you and I are wired as humans, the dog bed will always disappoint? If humans come into the dog bed, they will always leave wounded, dissatisfied, and wondering, shouldn't there have been something more? Because we're not dogs. It's never just sex for humans. Because God told us this in Genesis. If you go to the very front of your Bibles, if you guys wanted to read this, in the very front of your Bibles in Genesis chapter 1, it's easy because it's in the front, says this, And God said, Let the waters teem with living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the vaults of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and everything living, everything that lives within it in which the water teems and moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the waters and the seas and the birds, let the birds increase on the earth. And there was an evening and it was, there was a morning, the fifth day. And God said this, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was good. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds and livestock according to their kinds and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. It's different. It's humanly impossible for you and I to go to the dog bed like dogs. We were made different. It's the only thing that was made in God's image that has his likeness stamped on our heart. The difference is uh, what, what gives us a self-conscience, right? You ever, uh, you ever like think of like a lion and it goes and chases and eats a gazelle and then it's like sitting there and it's emotional about it. Like, oh my gosh, that gazelle might have babies and like have friends and stuff. What is it about me that makes me eat gazelles? I feel horrible. They don't have that. That's like not a self-conscience. Same thing with a dog. You think it's like, hey, so what, are we going to talk in the morning or you call me or I call you? That's what, that's what dogs do, right? They don't do that. That's the difference between us and dogs because we are body, we are soul, and we are spirit, which is God's spirit placed in us, which means this. There is a soulishness about being human that no animal experiences. There's a soulishness about being human that's special because we're made in God's image that no animal experiences. And you and I cannot come to the dog bed and leave your soul out of it. You can't. It comes with you wherever you go. It comes with you. You cannot bring it to the bed without damaging it. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. It's in the New Testament. If you go all the way to the back of the Bible and then you just start going backwards a little bit. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 says this. Flee from sexual immorality. Run. Go the other direction as fast as you can. Flee. Get away from. Double exit. Get out of there. Flee from sexual immorality. It didn't say all that other stuff. That was me. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Hmm. That's kind of like got some depth to it. All other sins a person commits outside their body are outside of their body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So everything else we do is to ourselves. 
It's different than this. Uh, you would say, well, like, uh, it wouldn't like gluttony be a sin to your body? Or, uh, you know, I've, I've met so many people in my life that they cut themselves. Wouldn't like, you know, cutting myself be a sin to my body? Or, you know, uh, doing some sort of drug be a sin against my own body? Or even suicide be a sin against my body? And that's, that's what I want you to do. In the, in the English language, we have one word for body. It's body. Uh, in the Bible, in the Bible, when it was written in Greek, uh, they had many words for Bible. Uh, Bible, <laughs> they did. <laughs> they had many words for body. And um, if they were trying to say in the Bible that uh, that we were going to talk about the flesh, like just us, if we had done something to ourselves, uh, they would have used the word sarks, which means flesh. But when translated um, in this passage, when it says flee from sexual morality, all these other things. And uh, when you sin sexually, sins uh, are against your body. They use the word soma, which is our physical bodies. In this sin, the word soma is used, which means completeness or wholeness, or like the body of water, like the, all of it, or like the body. What we would say is like the whole lake, or uh, like the body of someone's work in their life. Uh, when they died at the end of it. Like, look at the body of their work. It's all of it. It's the wholeness. It's everything. Soma. It's against us, our soul. That's that soulishness that comes into it. And it's saying, be careful about the dog bed. Be careful about it. This sin is the only sin against the wholeness, everything inside of you, of who you are. And God, again, is talking about the soulishness that you and I bring to the bed. Now, if we're honest, if we're really honest, intuitively, we knew that sex was never just sex. That the dog bed would always be disappointing. You go to uh, any 14, 15-year-old girl, and she's never going to say this. I can't wait until I have a boyfriend one day, and I can't wait for him to pass me around to all of his friends so I can have many and varied sexual experiences. They're never going to say that because she knows in her soul, intuitively, there's more at stake than this. Intuitively, guys know too. You're never going to hear, you know, a guy's going to say, hey, I want a girl with confidence in the bedroom, knows what she's doing. But at the same time, intuitively, a guy doesn't want a girl who's been with every guy that's been to the dog bed because he knows that when you go to the dog bed, there's no way you can't get hurt and wounded. Because we knew this before God said it, if if we were honest. He didn't have to say it. We already knew it. It's because it's not just sex. We bring our souls, and our souls cannot not be changed by the dog bed. Why is that? Why is this? It's because our souls long to connect just as our bodies do. They do. Our souls, just like our bodies long to connect, our souls long to connect as well. It's a, it's a stickiness issue. Uh, it's, it's, it's a stuck issue. They, we want to be stuck. And, uh, Tyler, come here. I need to volunteer. It's like duct tape. This is a girl. <laughs> it's pink. So, you know, you're like, hey, hi. And she's like, oh, hi. And then over time, it's like, it's just sex. So she's like, okay, I'll give you it. And she like, and you're like, oh, come on. That's what happens. 
It's a, st- it's a deep connection to the root of your hair. <laughs> so anyways, so, and then what happens is, is, you know, it's real, oh yeah, it's real life, moves on, and oh my gosh, look at all that. <laughs> you can sit down, thanks for your hair. So, I feel weird touching it, it's not sticky there anymore. Um, watch. Uh, so, so, so anyways, uh, then like the next person comes around and you're like, oh, hey, yeah, it's not that big of a deal, you know, because over time it's like, hey, you know, I've done it. Just the world we live in, it's just sex and, you know, we belong to connect, but we don't know what we're doing. And, and then it's like a little less and then, and then we go to college. I don't need to say a whole lot more. So then we get just stuff. Right. You really should go to college for education. So, um, yeah, just stuff, and uh, it's gnarly. And, uh, you know, we lose our stickiness, and later in life, we're like, hey, we've had all these experiences, and, and we've made these connections because it's just everybody's doing it because it's just sex, and, and then we meet somebody else, and they're like, yeah, me too, totally, it's awesome. And, and then, you know, like, we connect, and it's like, yeah, we're stuck together, but it's like not. And it's just... It's gross. But it's not gross. I'm not telling you that you guys are sick, but <laughs> really I'm not. That's why God says, flee the dog bed, because you're not a dog. The big bed. Let's talk about the big bed. The big bed knows the soul is there. The big bed never says it's just sex. It's making love. The big bed knows that's where the souls connect, which is why no one can experience the big bed outside of marriage. Because here's what our souls long to hear. You're the only one. The reality is the big bed is a recommitment of the promises we have made. The reality is the big bed is a recommitment of the promises that we've made on the day that we got married. I will leave all others and I will cleave only to you. I give you my soul. Now, men, the big bed. I'm not saying every time you go to the big bed, it's got to be like the notebook. (laughs) I know some of you are like, seriously, you're killing me. You had me going with the verse in the beginning and now it's like making love and... But in the midst of all the fun and the heat and the passion, there's a connection. That's not just two bodies rubbing together. It's soul dancing. It's soul dancing that says, I'm for you and all about you and only you. Only you. So we'd ask ourselves, well, Larry, sounds great. Um, I'm going to hand out some stuff. If you'll just take one and pass it back. It's my side note. Um, that's great. So what if, uh, what if I've had a stint in the dog bed? What if I've spent some time there? So then what? Um, can I get sticky back? Uh, can this stuff change? The answer, no. Yes. 
If you and I spend time in the dog bed, there's going to be scars. That's why God begs you and begs us not to go to the dog bed. So you and I can't go there and not come away scarred. It's why we have to look at our children and say, it's not just sex and you're not a dog. Don't you dare go to the dog bed. It's why we're not going to say to our kids and hand them condoms and say, well, they're going to do it anyways. We're not going to say that. Don't cheat yourself. We're not going to give the answer. Don't you dare cheat yourself. Don't you dare cheat yourself and go to the dog bed. Go for the big bed and wait for the big bed. So let's get real today. If I were to say, this is a rhetorical question, so if I were to say uh, that everyone who has never or ever been to the dog bed, let's say, if I were to say everyone who's never been to the dog bed to raise their hands, my guess is very few hands would come up. Just being real and honest. Because the truth is, is that almost every one of you or one, every one of us has spent a stint in the dog bed. Maybe it's not the sexual immoral dog bed, but maybe it's just the dog bed of hurt and scars and life. So here's what I need you to hear me say, that the wonder of this conversation is this, is that there is a God who forgives and a God who restores, and I don't get it. I don't understand it, but I know he has the capacity to pick an awful lot of lint out of our lives. And I, I don't get it. And is it all going to go away? Is the scar going to go away and the hurt's going to go away? No. But he's going to be able to pick a lot of stuff out of our lives that we couldn't do ourselves. And in the midst of that, he's going to bring us over to the big bed. That's the wonder of it all. The wonder of it all is, guess what happens when two people come together without all of that baggage? When they come together with all our baggage in the big bed and our souls get to dance and stickiness happens, you can't, you can't get it apart. This is what's meant supposed to be happening. This is what God intended for your life. This is why he said, flee, flee, run from. I want this for you. Here would be the wind today. If we would today believe the dog bed and say, I am choosing the big bed. What does this mean for everybody in their different areas? If you're single and you're here, wait. Wait for the big bed. If you're single again and you've already experienced it, wait so it can be special. Wait for it. If you're a teenager, all your friends are doing it. They are. But you're going to be cooler than them. You're going to wait for the big bed. Don't cheat yourself of the experience God intended for you to have in your life. If you're married, do some soul dancing. Make a sticky connection. That's what God intended for you. 
his image. We are going to take care of one another's souls because we're not dogs. We are special. I gave you these mirrors. I want you to look at yourself. I want you to pull back to where you can see yourself. And I want to talk to you for a minute. Have you ever, have you ever really just looked at yourself and thought about who you are? When we see ourselves as God sees us, we begin to realize how important we are to him and others. When we see ourselves as God sees us, we start to realize how important we are to him and others. Some of you guys don't even want to look at yourselves. Some of us have an identity crisis. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as beautiful, as lovable, as God's creation in his image? Without blemish, what do you see this morning? I want you to look at yourself. I'm going to read some stuff. I'm going to read some scripture over you right now, and I want you to see yourself as God sees you. It says in Jeremiah 31, 3, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you with loving kindness. According to this verse, friends, how does God see us? He loves us. He sees us as lovable. Can you see yourself as lovable? God sees you as lovable. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you no matter what you have done, no matter how miserable your life is, no no matter how big your problems are, no matter how many mistakes you have made or sins you have committed, God never stops loving you and he never will. He sees you as lovable. See yourself as lovable. Genesis 1, 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. God created him. Romans 8, 3 through 5, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sinning his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering so that he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But friends, those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. First Peter 1, 18 through 19, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from, but the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God sees us as lovable And God sees us as valuable. He created us in his image, just a little lower than the angels. He gave us his own son to die on the cross for us. He calls us his work of art, his masterpiece. And he has a plan to bless you and to prosper us. That means we are very special. God. We are lovable and we are valuable. Do you see yourself this morning? Look at yourself in that mirror as valuable 
we're not perfect. And sometimes we feel very incompetent, but God sees us as competent because of his Holy Spirit lives in us. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. It says that God has entrusted us with the ministry of evangelism. Isn't it amazing that God trusts imperfect people like us to bring others to him? That the all-powerful, almighty God trusts imperfect people like us to bring others to him. How does that make you feel, knowing that our all-perfect, all-powerful God sees you as lovable, as valuable, and useful? How do you see yourself? Part of me feels like God hasn't taken a very good look at me, like he's got bad vision. I don't see myself a lot of time as lovable or valuable or useful to him. But another part of me feels so honored that God would see me as lovable. And he would see me and my life and my messed up pile of lint <laughs> as valuable. And then he would say, you take that pile and you be useful. I believe that God wants us to see ourselves as he sees us. That's how we gain confidence. That's how we gain confidence to deal with the hard things in our lives. If we constantly know God loves us, he values us, he wants to use us, if we know that God loves us, values us, and desires to use us, we can get through anything. Maybe that's the breakup of a family. Maybe this morning, maybe this morning that's a terrible death of a close friend. Maybe that's depression. Because I don't see myself as lovable. Maybe that's loneliness. Maybe that's some kind of deep wound that I don't even know that, that's not going to go away, but God can, can pick it out. He can, he can bring some healing there, some restoration there. Maybe it's sexual immorality. I don't know what it is, but I want you guys to know that God loves you and how he sees you, and you need to see yourself that way. Will you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.